Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 9, Episode 7. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the thing that we're going to talk about tonight is... It's a TV show and it's called Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. And based entirely on the title and knowing nothing about it, um, I, I predict that this is um, a season, a series uh, following on from the film Calvary... Starring what a what a film that is, though. starring Donald Gleeson, um, in which a group Brendan Gleeson. Oh, who am I thinking I mean, of? D- Donald Gleeson may be in it, but Brendan Gleeson is the main. Brendan character. Gleeson. Oh, I just I looked it up before this. Well, maybe I looked maybe it up Donald Gleeson's in it. I looked it up wrong. Yeah, maybe you looked it up wrong. Yeah, Brendan, starring Brendan Gleeson, <laughs> um, which. <laughs> Uh, it's going well so which, far. Yeah, isn't it? This is with professional podcast, um, <laughs> in which a group of priests plot a terror attack um, against the British, um, the top people in the British government. The top people. The top eh? people. <laughs> 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 so yeah. Yeah, we, we this this podcast we kind of we bypass the usual. Um, Andy makes Andy laugh during the intro by having it because I did. Andy make Andy laugh before the intro and lose the <laughs> and plot. And make you laugh and throughout the podcast. Andy feels weird anyway today. So um, <laughs> yeah, Andy. I think Andy's just picking on Andy. You might be right. <laughs> yeah, but any, but anyway, that's what I think. Is, is that what it is? Is it a no? It's okay. not. It's not, but I but I kind of pay money to watch Brendan Gleeson and Donald Gleeson. maybe both of his sons, Donald and Brian, <laughs> plotting against the British government and all the important people, yeah, the top people in the British, government. all the top yeah. the top men to kill them, as they say in Indiana Jones, yeah, top men. Yeah, it's a terrorist plot. It's formed. It's formed around uh, a midnight mass. You know, that's where the name comes from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's that's not this. Right. Okay. No. Okay. Um, this is a Netflix show, uh-huh. so we're back in the land of subscription television. Uh-huh. I'm afraid. That's where everyone lives, um, isn't it? Yeah, I, probably. Yeah. Um, and the, it's a series, limited series, so eight episodes and done. Mm-hmm. No, no talk of a sequel. You know, it's a self-contained thing. Okay. Um, about a small, isolated island community. His existing divisions are amplified by the return of a disgraced young man and the arrival of a charismatic priest. Mm-hmm. Now, after this show came out on Netflix, because it came as as the Netflix way is to release the whole thing at once, right, so right, you can right. watch watch it all. And there's only eight episodes, um, so if you if you're not careful, it'll be gone in a flash. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so people talked about the fact that. It seems very much like a st- an adaptation of a Stephen King novel that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So it's got everything that you'd want from a Stephen King novel. You've got charismatic outsider, or he's not an outsider. He's a man, our hero, mm-hmm. or the person that we think is our hero. Actually, he does kind of turn out to be the hero. Mm-hmm. Is um, it's gonna, is a character is there, are they going to do spoilers? Oh, spoiler tastic! Okay, spoilerific, listener. We're going deep, deep, deep into spoilers okay, okay, okay. on this one. Um, a character called Riley Flynn, 
who is a former venture capitalist. He's from the island, mm-hmm. but he's returned there after spending four years in prison. Oh, he's after killing a. Uh, sorry, so I interrupted you, but he's the he's the hero. I thought you were going to say the charismatic priest was the hero, but no, okay. No, not really. Okay, okay. no. Um, so he's he is uh, he spent four years in prison mm-hmm. for killing a woman in a drink driving accident. Right, right. So he returns to the island with his very much with his tail between his legs, right. trying to rebuild his life. Right. Um, <clears throat> at the same time, there's some weird stuff happening. So is he is he like repentant about the, his whole lifestyle, not just about this one incident? Oh yeah, he's really messed up, and he wants to come back yeah. home and like try try and redeem himself or something. Yeah, I mean, when I talk about when his tail between his legs, he's very. Um, he wants to make amends for it, but he just doesn't know how. Right, 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 right. You know, he's out of prison. He realizes that his life was a complete mess, so, and he wants to try right. and do something about it. His instinct it. is to come home in order to work. This yeah, out. well, I mean, he's basically got nothing, mm-hmm. so he has to go home okay. and live with his okay. his mum and dad okay. and his younger brother. Okay. Um, <clears throat> at the same time, uh, there's weird things happening on this island. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The incumbent uh, is Catholic um, church mm-hmm. on the island. The incumbent priest uh, is very old and has been on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Where, where is this island in the world? It's uh, it's set in the northeast of the United States, okay. so sort of classic Stephen King territory. Okay, okay. But in uh, I'll, I'll spoil things right now and say it was shot shot in Vancouver. Okay, and. Every single building and every single thing, maybe maybe apart from the boats, uh, were made. Right. It's a comp- it's all a set, and then it was all all the stuff was shot on a soundstage on the interiors. But okay. it looks incredible. So it looks, right. you know, entirely genuine. It's really fantastic looking. Right. Um, at the same time, so this uh, this old priest is on pilgrimage in the holy land mm-hmm. um he hasn't come back to the island yet mm-hmm. but a young charismatic priest arrives mm-hmm. they're the worst kind with a large box okay that he bangs on and something bangs from inside the box <laughs> so that that ends the uh the second episode okay it's quite strange. Is, and we don't really know what's devil? going on there. I can't tell you yet. Okay, okay. I am going to spoil okay. it, but it's going to be okay. a, a slow, okay. a slow burning spoil. <laughs> um, and it, so this this charismatic young priest is almost evangelical in the way that he delivers his sermons. Mm-hmm. Quite scary. So why, when um, you say almost evangelical, what do you mean? Like, is it not? Well, I mean that he's not. It's not an evangelical church, mm-hmm. it's a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. But the way he delivers his speeches is very charismatic. charismatic right. And yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but also scary as well. <laughs> so I found him to be quite intimidating, being a godless heathen. Intimidating, okay, okay. Yeah. So kind of shaming people about the right. way they're living their lives right, right, and right, that right. kind of thing. Um, so they, on the Sunday, um, during Mass, they do like old school Catholic uh, body of Christ, mm-hmm. the blood of Christ. 
and they think they're drinking communion wine. Uh-huh. And they actually they are they are drinking communion wine, but right. there's something else in it. Right. Um, and we find out uh, when in the second episode when the priest is there's, there's a, a young disabled girl on the island. She's in a wheelchair, and he's about to give her the communion. And instead of bending down, he just stands and says, come and get it. Mm-hmm. And there's just this kind of hushed shock in the church. Mm-hmm. And then she does stand up. Mm-hmm. And everybody's utterly taken aback right. by this. And she's healed. She appears to be healing, yes. Okay, okay. She's, she's getting better. Um, and then, uh, in the next episode... We see the uh, this this young priest isn't looking very well. He's looking a bit mm-hmm. a bit pasty mm-hmm. and a bit unwell. Um, and in a scene that is um, quite shocking and powerful, he uh, in front of uh, members of his congregation, like the mayor, the mayor's wife, the verger, who is. Oh, the verger. Is the character much like Nurse Ratchet in um, <laughs> One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I don't know if you've ever seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I don't think so. Or, uh, okay, so that's, so One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a... I think it was a book, then a play, yeah, then a, a movie book, yeah. with Jack Nicholson. And the, the character of the nurse, the psychiatric nurse in that, Nurse Ratchet, memorably played by Louise Fletcher is a person who is just utterly convinced of their own truth uh-huh. and will calmly tell you how you're wrong, right. even though you know you're absolutely right about something. Right. Um, and she engages, or rather Jack Nicholson's character, who has been committed because he's um, you know, suspected of maybe being a psychopath. Uh, he's been committed to this asylum he locks horns with her mm-hmm. to an end that can only end with her winning mm-hmm. because that's how it works, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, so the character of the verger in um, Midnight Mass is much like Nurse Ratchet. Okay. Truly terrifying mm-hmm. in a very calm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we see later on in a, in a later episode, the town sheriff is a, a Muslim man who keeps himself to himself? He's him and his young son. His their um, his wife died a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. She had cancer, <coughs> so he's there to basically get away from everything. Right, find the smallest place possible that doesn't even have um, an actual sheriff's office. He's he's right. sort of in the back of the general store. Right, right, right. Um, and they're discussing. Um, what are they discussing? Uh, so they want to... His son has taken an interest in going to the church, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to which the sheriff is... There's nothing for you there. Right, There's yeah. nothing for you there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his son is rebelling. You know, he's pushing right, back against yeah. that because his friends all go there. He's saying, well, why can't I go there? Yeah. Um, so he engages in... A, I'd say a pretty spirited debate about the Bible and the Quran with this verger, mm-hmm. and she just talks over him and everybody else, and is just incredibly offensive mm-hmm. 
uh, but without actually being offensive. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of that kind of thing that's going on. Anyway, I'm going back. I'm I'm jumping ahead of myself mm-hmm. there. So in front of her and the mayor and the mayor's wife and like the local odd job guy, this priest starts coughing up blood. Right. And then promptly dies oh. in front of them. Okay. Just kills over and, and dies. I wasn't expecting that. And then a few minutes later, he takes a breath and wakes up. <laughs> okay. And we still don't really know what's going on. Yeah. At this point, and then he tells uh, he tells the this group of people what happened, mm-hmm. and he says, "I am Father John Pruitt. I am the guy that was in the Holy Land." Right, right, right. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. So he 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 went off the beaten track because um, he's quite old and possibly suffering from dementia. Mm-hmm. He goes into this cave to get away from the sun. And in this cave, he sees a pair of eyes staring back at him, mm-hmm. making eyes, mm-hmm. listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what he realises is he's not alone in this cave. Yeah. And a creature that, to us, looks a lot like an old, an old school vampire. Right, okay, okay. It's got the glowing eyes, it's got the teeth, it's got actual wings. Right, 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 right. right. But this, this priest thinks it's an angel. Okay. And the... Um, and he continues to be convinced of that for the entire show. Right, right, right. He, ne- he never at any time thinks that it's an evil being. Right. <clears throat> this creature, rather than just killing him, gives him his blood, its blood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in sort of old school vampire lore, if you drink the vampire's blood, then you, mm-hmm. you become one like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he knows... I think we understand towards the end of the film that he, the vampire knows that, although the vampire never speaks, okay, makes lots of hissing sounds and looks generally unpleasant, but <laughs> never speaks. Much like Mr. Mr. Barlow in Salem's Lot, which is another Stephen King. I don't think I've seen that either. Story, yes, Salem's Lot is one of my favourite Stephen yeah, King. Yeah, you talked about that stories. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't speak, mm-hmm. uh, but realizes that this priest is the ticket out of the cave. Okay. Um, presumably it's been in there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that's what was in the box. Okay. Was this creature. Now, quite how they managed to get through customs and through <laughs> being scanned by... <laughs> doesn't matter, really. Is it um, a big box? Cause... Is it a coffin-like box? Yeah, it's a large box okay, that okay. you'd fit a person okay, in. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we discover so he relays this story about what happened to him mm-hmm. um, and then they all realise that who, the person that's standing before them is the priest from their parish but he's young now right and unrecognisable does that explain and why he died and then woke up again or, I mean, yes he's now the undead but what, this, I mean like priest. why did he die in front of them uh, because he hadn't transformed yet, so he was still he'd been in, he'd ingested the beast's blood, but he hadn't yet died and been okay was now undead if you see what I right, mean. Right, 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 right. Um, so what's happening to the townsfolk is they've been all drinking right the beast's blood right, as well right, right, in, right. in the Holy Communion, yeah. and the reason why the young girl is able to walk is because she her 
injuries are now gone. Right, yeah. Completely. Yeah. People are getting younger. Yeah. They're feeling fitter and healthier. Yeah. And they all put it down to the fact that this new priest is performing miracles. Yeah. When in fact nothing of the sort is happening. <laughs> there's, an, there's this really insidious force in the town mm-hmm. that's trying to take it over. Um, and Riley, who is our hero, nominally our hero, mm-hmm. um, or at least we're, we're led to believe that he's our hero, he's been having, instead of going to the mainland for his AA sessions, mm-hmm. the priest says, well, I can do them here. Mm-hmm. We can just tell them that you're doing them here, and then you don't need to go to the mainland anymore. Right. So he's been having this AA sessions with the priest. Just him um, and the priest. Uh, and another guy, there's another, there's another quite messed up, Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, backstory. There's three of them. Mm-hmm. The other guy is this older guy who shot accidentally shot the young girl, right. which is why she was disabled. Right. So he's living with all of that as right. well. Right. Um, don't know why he hasn't left the left the island mm-hmm. to get away from it, but he hasn't. I mean, people don't seem to leave that much. Yeah. Uh, but a, more backstory is that the island's fishing industry has been decimated by a an oil tanker that spilled right. locally and right. that really affected their fishing stock quite badly. Right. So so people are leaving, but not because of the fact that they want to get on, just because there's no, there's no industry there anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they had these AA sessions. Uh, Riley is also striking up a relationship with um, a woman called Erin Green, Actually, they were childhood sweethearts right. before he left the island. Right. She's now a school teacher on the island. Mm-hmm. She's, she's expecting a baby, mm-hmm. but she never says who the father was. Right. Um, and in a very, a really powerful scene, she goes to the local doctor to get a scan of the baby. Uh-huh. And because they've all been taking the communion wine, the baby is, just isn't there. Right. Oh. It's gone. Really powerful scene. She just can't really believe it. Yeah. She goes to the mainland to get another scan, yeah. and they confirm the same thing. It's no, it's you. It, they say it's almost as if you weren't pregnant. Yeah, there's nothing here. Mm. So her and her and Riley um, get together and talk about what happened, and mm-hmm. they talk about death mm-hmm. and what it means to them. In a very powerful, really well written and powerful scene about two people trying to come to terms with stuff that's happened. Yeah. He then leaves her house, and is walking past the um, the hall where he has his AA sessions, and he sees the door is open. Mm-hmm. So he's oh, I just go in there, and when he goes in there, he sees the the beast putting blood into the communion wine right and just stops and the priest turns around and says oh looking at him and then the beast attacks him and kills him right and with and we're, and we're now just utterly wrong-footed because yeah. he's supposed to be our hero yeah. he's supposed to be the man who's going to save everything but actually now he's gone uh-huh. um so he wakes up from that and in the next in the next scene we see the priest trying to talk him, trying to convince him that everything's fine and this is an angel that's come to save them. So he's now undead, is he? He's now undead. Right, right, right. And they have a discussion about 
he says to him, um, when, I, when I took this person's life and I drank their blood, I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I felt nothing at all. And the priest just says, I, the, the, Riley just says, I don't believe you. I just don't believe in any of this stuff. And he says, well, um, how does it make you feel? You know, how, do, how do you feel about it? And, you know, he says something like ashamed or something like that. And the priest just says, no, that, that's not how you feel. Tell me how you actually feel. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I feel jealous that you could feel like that. Right. Because he feels guilt about taking this girl's life in the right. in the accident. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> so he then, in the next episode, uh, we see all of this in flashback. Mm-hmm. He goes to see Erin one evening. We don't know what his agenda is, so he's already undead. He goes to see Erin, and he says... Is Erin the, the, the school teacher? Yeah, the school yeah. teacher, yeah. I need you to come out on a boat with me. We need to go right now, because I've got to tell you something. <laughs> so on they go boat. out on this row... On a boat, yeah. <laughs> they go out on this rowboat, right. out onto the sea, right. and he tells, her the, he tells her what happened to him. Yeah. Um... And uh, he says, and he might be thinking, he, he tells her everything that I've just told you, mm-hmm, basically, mm-hmm. what happened to him and etc. Um, and says, you might be thinking that I came, I brought you out here on your own because I want to do something to you, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I brought you out here because we can't get back unless you row us back. Mm-hmm. And it's almost dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sits there whilst he, as the sun comes up, mm-hmm. He basically bursts into flames mm-hmm. and dies again. Right. <laughs> so he's not undead for very long, Riley, uh-huh. and he doesn't take anyone's life as far as we know. Uh-huh. Uh, but he has told her everything that's happened. Right. Which, in real terms, isn't that useful because who's going to believe her? Yeah. I mean, it's better, <laughs> I guess it's better than not telling anyone. Well, it is, yeah. Uh, so she goes to see... The sheriff. So is he gone now? Yeah, Riley's gone. Okay, okay. He's dead. Okay. Yeah. Um, she goes to see the sheriff. Um, tells him the story. Mm-hmm. And he then, in another fantastically written speech, he tells her about why he came to the island. Okay. He talks about 9-11 and the fact that he joined up to to make a difference and be with the police mm-hmm. after 9-11 mm-hmm. and... Uh, but then things went sour after that, and when he he went to his um you know to his local precinct and said I I can't do this anymore, people are just think that I'm a terrorist and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be transferred somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere far away where nobody's going to care who I am, because um, they call me Osama and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And when I found out about this place, I said that we're going there. Mm-hmm. That's it. So he says to her, so I came here because I wanted to get away from all of that. And now you want me to go to the priest and go to the verger and tell them this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. How do you think that's going to play? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a fair point. And he knows, he's, he says, I know full well that these people don't like me mm-hmm. and yeah. that they don't trust me. Yeah. So... I don't exactly know what you want me to do about this. So, uh, so the, the assumption at that point then is still that the priest is not evil. That maybe the priest is being fooled. 
He's definitely being fooled, yeah. I think he's blinded by his own faith. Right. Um, but he's now undead. That, so, but that doesn't, he's now undead, Being yeah, undead doesn't yeah. turn you evil. Well, no. You need to feed, but that doesn't necessarily make you evil. Right. There, obviously, there are ways to feed that don't involve killing people. Because quite often vampires wake up and they think they've got a conscience, but rapidly they realise they haven't. Yeah, so I think the Anne Rice... Yeah. Um, vampire chronicles books are very much along those lines yeah. so the character of louis is a vampire with a with a conscience mm-hmm. yeah who doesn't want to take life at all but most of them they even if they had a conscience before it kind of evaporates when they wake up yeah and actually the older they get the less of a conscience they have yeah yeah and a lot of them a lot of them even don't need to feed anymore because they're so old. Oh, really? Yeah. They're great books, those. If you've never read any of those, they're really good. No, very, very I haven't. I think I've read, I think I've read the first one. Yeah, so the, I think I've Interview the is the first film. one, which is not great. It's all right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Cruz is badly miscast in it. Yeah. It's a bit boring. Um, it's a bit boring. Uh, I think the design is nice. Yeah. It looks great. It's just that Cruz isn't great in it. There's a good, there's a good description of waking up and everything is new and. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned yeah. that straight from uh, the book. But there's a TV, there's a TV adaptation coming. All right. So the um, Anne Rice got the rights back. So um, there's a TV adaptation on the way, which looks really interesting. And I think for something like for something like those Vampire Chronicles books, of which there are many. A TV adaptation is probably a good idea. Yeah, it makes sense. Sorry, anyway, I just actually... stuff. No, it's okay. So it's the okay. priest, the priest, we don't think the priest is evil. We think the priest is just fooled, misguided. Yeah, I think. So yeah. she wants the policeman to convince him and the verger of what's really going on. And, and he doesn't he's worry. like, no, yeah, no, no. I think I mean you can almost see in his eyes. I want to get out of here right now. Yeah, this place is just nuts. Yeah, kind of thing. I know these people don't like me, and now. Th- there's this woman come to me who said that her possible boyfriend is now dead after he burned up in a boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, in the penultimate episode, um, oh, actually, no, so the cop even says, I'd never carry a gun. Right. The gun's in the safe. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and she says, well, it's probably a good time to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> Although we do find out that it's not actually that useful. Right. With the undead. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the Penalta episode, uh, in the there have been midnight mass sessions happening mm-hmm. because obviously the priest can't be around during the day, so he has to right. do midnight mass. Right. But in this penultimate midnight mass, which I believe is set around Easter time, mm-hmm. very apt, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, the beast makes itself... You know, shows itself to the entire congregation. Okay. And um, they then... Oh, just just forgot. In the first episode, we see the verger has been poisoning rats. Right. And in a bit of foreshadowing, we see a lot of shots of the rat poison. Right. And, okay, that's going to come back in a later episode. Uh-huh. And it does, uh-huh. because in the Midnight Mass, in in a... A scene that is kind of similar to 
oh, now I'm thinking about the Kool-Aid uh, thing in the jungles of Guatemala. You know, the Jim Jones. Um, have you heard of Jim Jones? No, none of this is ringing any bells at all. Okay, so Jim Jones was a like a fake, a bit like David Koresh and the Branch Davidian kind of thing. Okay. Remember the Waco? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jim Jones was back in the 70s. He convinced people to follow him because he was a charismatic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And then he, he was one of these sort of death cults that the mm-hmm. world is going to end, so mm-hmm. we've got to kill everybody kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He um, killed himself and a bunch of other people mm-hmm. in the jungles mm-hmm. of, I think, uh, maybe Belize, but possibly Guatemala, mm-hmm. um, using poisoned Kool-Aid. Okay. Women, children, men. Yeah. It was horrendous. Right. And there's a scene in Midnight Mass in this penultimate episode where... The verger gives people rat poison to drink, so that right. they die and then are re- and then are undead. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's awful. So, how, so, so everybody's the in the in church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's well in. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. how did she get? Was she just waiting for evil to come to the town? So she, she just could... believes in everything. She she <laughs> just doesn't question any anything. Okay, okay. Because it's coming from the priest, who is to her is a miracle because he's right. young again. Okay, okay. It's all a miracle. Okay. Um, so everybody's in the church. Even the even the town sheriff is in the church with his son. Right. Um, and only um, Erin, who's now our hero. Right. The sheriff. Mm-hmm. He's never drunk the blood, presumably. Yes, who hasn't, but his son has. Oh, right. Okay. Um, one of the one of the altar boys hasn't drunk the blood, right. or taking the poison there's like four or five of them who managed to make it out right uh but it's a horrendous scene right. because um everybody dies and then comes back to life mm-hmm. and then the people who haven't drunk the poison or the blood they feed on them right. and it's just it's just awful it's just at this point you think i don't know how our people who are left are going to make it out of this yes because it's just so horrendous but utterly compelling mm-hmm. as well um so in the final episode we we find out what what the beast wants um his he wants the people who've been made undead to leave the island and then you know spread his right. disease yeah, yeah. around the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and our and our our band of folks who are left behind they they realise that too, so they, they need to get destroy all the boats. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, we no, we never really talk about that. In fact, nobody calls him a vampire. Yeah, nobody ever mentions the word vampire right. in this show. That's cool, which is interesting. Uh, but they burn all the boats or uh-huh. sink them. Uh-huh. They then go from house to house and burn all the houses down, so these vampires that we, they actually are can't go and hide. Yeah, yeah. And then they finally go back to the. Um, like the hall and the church, and they burn those last, so that they've got nowhere to go. Right, and then the sun comes up. Later on, it does. Okay, yeah, okay. but we also find out some backstory. So the the town doctor, her mum, in the first episode, her mum is severely has severe dementia, mm-hmm. and as the show goes on, it gets better and better, and then she gets younger. Yeah, her mum, yeah. We discover that 
excuse me, we discover that the town doctor is the is the daughter of obviously her mother and the priest. Right. <laughs> so there's some family stuff there as well going yeah. on. Family yeah. reunion uh-huh. at the end of the uh-huh. world, uh-huh. basically. <laughs> um, and so the people who are left, Erin is left, the sheriff is left. Uh, one of the oh the disabled girl she mm-hmm. didn't take the poison, right? Uh, she obviously th- who's not di- who's not disabled anymore. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. She's been drinking the blood, but she didn't take the poison, yeah, yeah, so yeah. she hasn't turned. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so there's basically four people. Erin gets attacked by the monster, and uh, as it's attacking her, she cuts its wings. Right. So that it can't fly very far or can't fly properly yeah, anymore. Right. Um, and the the altar boy and the girl managed to get in a little rowboat, maybe the same rowboat that Erin was in with mm-hmm. Riley, and head out onto the ocean. And the and the policeman, the sheriff, and his son go down to the beach and wait for the sunrise. Mm-hmm. Um, and as yeah. So, so we then hear the the entire island singing a hymn, <laughs> which, as the sun comes up, we we see a wide shot of the sun coming up. The hymn is playing, and then it just stops because <laughs> everybody's burnt up uh-huh. in the sun. Uh-huh. Um, and we see the altar boy and this girl in the boat, and they see they see the the vampire beast thing flying very badly towards the mainland. Right. And she says, how far is it going to get? Can it beat Can it beat the sun, basically? Yeah. And he says, it's 30 miles. And flying like that, not a chance. Uh-huh. But we don't see anything happen to it. But right. what we do see <laughs> is we see her say, after about 30 seconds, maybe a minute, we see her say, I can't feel my legs anymore. Which presumably means it has died. It's burnt up in the sun, and therefore she, she, the magic powers have, have yes, gone. yeah, okay, have gone, yeah. Um, and the last scene we see of the sheriff, who's been badly injured, who's mm-hmm. been shot twice, um, is his son burning up next to him, and he's on the beach lying down. We don't know if if he survived or not. So the only people we know have survived for sure, the altar boy and the girl, right. Um, which is better than I thought would happen. Because in the penultimate episode, I just thought... They're all going to die. <laughs> they're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, wow, it sounds what makes this What makes this special is the performances, the design, like I talked about mm-hmm. the, the set design mm-hmm. and the way that everything's built specially for the show. The way that it weaves the story slowly over eight episodes... Mm. Um, it's outstanding. It really is outstanding. It's it's one of the, some of the best TV I've seen in quite some time. Wow. Yeah, it's really really good. I mean, it sounds pretty good. It is. Yeah. It. I don't know. Vampire stuff. It's like. Uh... Sorry, seven episodes, not eight episodes. Oh, is it? Oh, that's weird. Seven. Yeah. Um, it is vampire stuff. Yeah. But the vampire stuff is not overt until quite late on in the right. show. Right, right, right. So it's it kind remains of, it's in the small, background. It's small town stuff. 
it's more about the the spell that this priest right. weaves over the town. Right, Because right, 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 right. um, his his delivery of dialogue is really strong. Right. I was thinking about what you said about the verger. Yes. I'm thinking that's about power, right? So there are some people who um who have power and then they just don't need to raise their voice to assert their power over you. Absolutely, they don't need yeah. to listen to you. They can just feel that they're right. Because they don't need to, and, yeah. Uh, so that's very, very much like Nurse Ratchet. She never raises her voice yeah, in and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's very much a danger in a religious context. That, that yes, kind of power absolute power. possessed by someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, in the, in the final episode, when most of the town is now become undead one of the undead turns to the verger and says i've got something to say to you mm-hmm. you're not a good person <laughs> right and nobody really likes you very much <laughs> which is like yeah you take it a long time to get around to saying telling her that um that's interesting yeah it's really good midnight mess yeah. highly recommended well, yeah, um maybe and there's I'll some very there's some lovely dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's very well written. And also, also more, more importantly, this is made by Mike Flanagan, who, um, who directed Doctor Sleep, wrote, uh, adapted and mm-hmm. directed Doctor Sleep that we talked about a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big Stephen King fan, and you can see that in this show. It's right. definitely a, you know, there's a dotted line right. to a Stephen King story. Right, right, right. 100%. Yeah. Huh. He's described it as a passion project, one that was deeply personal and dealt intimately with his upbringing in the Catholic Church. Right. right. His eventual sobriety and atheism, right. which is interesting. Um, so I guess he's had issues with um, drink. Right. So, the- so the, yeah, I can, I can see that there's a lot of personal stuff in this. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of leads me to... Um, you know what? What's some of the meaning behind it? You know, it sounds like um, the kind of abuse of power and the use of of religion to manipulate and stuff. Yeah, and I think it, I think it's well documented that the Catholic Church has hushed up very important stuff that should have been in the public mm, eye mm. a long time ago. Yeah, like a uh, creeping evil ab- that was. Yeah, a creeping yeah. evil, an abuse of power that's yeah. been around for a long time. Um, there is definitely that's addressed head on in this yeah the abuse of power yeah Uh, but also the sobriety thing so Riley is a man who's deeply messed up yeah Um, and uh, maybe should have gone back to the mainland for his AA sessions yeah yeah I mean I think in in many films and storytelling contexts you should probably go back to the mainland for your, your medical treatment and your I think so. Yeah, AA sessions. Yeah, I think that's probably the right thing to do, yeah. But there's some lovely dialogue between him and Erin, uh, particularly in the episode before he runs into the beast, uh, where they discuss death and what death means to them. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about her babe, the fact that her baby just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, It's very profound and very mm. powerful. And that comes back again in the final episode where she gets attacked and she's dying, but she's wounded the creature so much that it can't fly anymore Mm -hmm. and she she echoes some of that speech that she gave to him Mm -hmm. 
she talks about it again. Right. And it's kind of similar to some a lot of the stuff. I realised this actually because my obviously I watch this with not obviously but I watch this with my wife because mm-hmm. we're big horror fans mm-hmm. and um, the 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 stuff that that Erin talks about in this is very similar to some of the stuff that Carl Sagan talks about in his books and his writings about. Right about the way that we're all stardust kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's great stuff, Midnight Mass. Mm. It's more than just a horror series. There's a lot more going on there. Very good. And people have good speeches to speak. Right. And they deliver them well. <laughs> um, so if if listener is interested in this, Mike Flanagan has two other series on Netflix as well. So the first one of those is The Haunting of Hill House. Right. Which is a, another long-form series um, based on the novel by Shirley Jackson, which has been adapted, I think, three or four times now. Is that is that the one that's... Um, the, film, the film's called The Haunting? Yes. Is that based on the same book? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's, there's two, a Robert there two, Wise version. Two haunting, haunting films, aren't there? Yeah, so there's a Robert Wise version from the 1960s, which is black and white, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's like a classic horror movie. And then there's one from the 90s, I think. Sounds about directed right. Directed by Jan de Bont with Catherine Beta Blocker, and <laughs> and that's not good. It's got... That's not good. I liked the sound design in it. I've not seen it. Okay, okay. No. Oh, that's all right. Um, uh, so The Haunting of Hill House is an adaptation of... Right, right, right. A straight adaptation of that. It's very good. Right. There's and then the second series he did was The Haunting of Bly Manor, which he didn't have that much to do with and is not as good. Okay. It has its moments. Okay. But is it does that, introduce a a, or something, right? Well, it's got- no, it's a separate it's a separate thing, but it has some of the same cast members. Okay. In it. So he re as interestingly, he reuses cast members. Right. Um so there are I think from Hill House, he reuses three members of the cast for Bly Manor. And then from both of those, there's, I think, three people turn up in Midnight Mass right. as well. Right. So so his wife is Kate Siegel, who plays Erin. So she's in all his stuff. Right. Which is fine. Where do I know her from? Don't know. Don't know. Okay. Probably don't. Maybe not. No. Cool. I mean, it, it sounds worth it. it. It's it's an investment for me to watch something that my wife's not going to watch, right? Because yeah, yeah, fair dues. Um, but it's yeah, I don't know. It is very good. I've I got to finish maybe, off the office. Maybe should I ever? Well, no. Next year, when I come back for my yearly visit, uh-huh. we should probably just sit down and binge the whole thing in an evening. Yeah, maybe that'll work. Um, seven hours straight through. They <laughs> could do that. Or over two nights or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is definitely worth it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Even though I've just spoiled the whole thing. No, that's okay. I, I, that's, 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 I'm okay with, most things I'm okay with them being spoiled. What's weird is that when I do decide to watch things that you've described, often they're nothing like what I imagined. Right, okay, yeah. Which is yeah. weird. Yeah. So right. there it is. I only vaguely Midnight remember Mass. what you said. I've been wanting there. to talk about that for ages. Right, right, right. Yeah, you talk, you've gone on to me about it a couple of times about how good it is. I have. Yeah. Also, there's a fantastic soundtrack. Um, so I'll just, I'll talk about, they use some Neil Diamond in this. And um, I am a Neil Diamond fan, right. listener. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do like a bit of Neil Diamond. 
they use a few of his tracks in this that are used very well. Right. Because I think his early stuff is quite spiritual sounding anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So it right, has right, that right. kind of feel to it. And it is early stuff that they use. Right. Um, yeah. So that's another good reason, really. Cool. Yeah, I, I think it, I need to watch it. Yeah, I, I'm currently trying to finish off The Office. I've I've slightly stopped enjoying the it. American Office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Has uh, Steve Carell left the show? No. Yet? Okay. Have I just spoiled that by saying he's going yeah. to? Or did you know that? Yeah, he spoiled it. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but uh, it's I'm I'm quite enjoying. I'm still quite enjoying it, but I also just have a, a need to finish it. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way about New Girl. Right. In that season six is not, it's just not very good. Okay. But there's only one more season to go, <laughs> so just you just there. keep plowing on. <laughs> yeah, so I'm still enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. I, st- I'm still, I still laugh out loud quite often watching it. Um, but it does feel a little bit sort of tiring <laughs> that it's still going on. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. surprisingly good. I think The American Office is really good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely, I avoided it for a long time, and then I liked it, and I finally got there. So what are you watching? Are you watching anything current on TV? Or, uh, uh, the I Outlaws watched, on the BBC? Have yeah. seen any of those? Yeah, I've seen a couple of episodes of Outlaws, and really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, been watching a bit of, have I got news for you? Been watching a bit of... Um, Outsiders? Have you heard of that? It's not very good. Outsiders. It's, it's on. Um, it's basically because Dave Dave sold Taskmaster to Channel Four. Oh yeah, you were telling me about this. Yeah, it's their new. So they made another thing that's a bit like Taskmaster, <coughs> but, but outdoors. <laughs> <coughs> that's right. Um, yeah. And it's it's fine. It's fine. Right. Okay. Um, you made me think of. Uh, oh no, you didn't make me think of it. But I I thought of a podcast that I wanted to recommend that I've been listening to recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, I guess it's about religious abuse. Um, uh, so it's kind of linked to this episode. Um, so I was listening to a podcast made by Christianity Today, who sound like they would be very safe. <laughs> Awfully right on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's called it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um, and there, there have been multiple churches called Mars Hill, so you have to... Make sure you get the right one, but it's it was a okay. it was a kind of mega church in America, uh, who whose main kind of preacher and eventually kind of dictator was uh, like a man's man, and like he had this mission to uh, talk to the men and stop them kind of uh, you know their sort of moral decline and things like be real men type thing, and, right. Um, and it it this this podcast series so it sort of doesn't pull any punches, but it also doesn't kind of let itself off the hook, you know. So it's like it's it's talking about the some of the awful things that happened within this church and the way people were really badly treated. But it never makes it like you're looking at them from the outside, and it's always about what can we learn about you know what mistakes like this are we making and. And, and also, to some extent, how much did we allow this to happen within our community kind of thing. So it's a really, yeah. uh, it's a really kind of honest and open look at this, um, the culture that, that allowed this thing to happen and acknowledgement it wasn't just something that happened in one place, but it was part of a, a movement. 
Um, so if you're at all interested in uh, that kind of... Uh, um, like the way like Christian communities can go bad, uh, it's really, really quite powerful. And what's the name of that? What's the name of that podcast? So it, the series is called uh, "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill." Okay. Uh, and the it's made by Christianity Today or CT, and they um, so different episodes look at different kind of areas. So the one I looked at recently right. was the kind of way women were treated, and um, it's just forming this really. It's a really thoughtful, uh, painful thing to listen to, but yeah, hopefully constructive. Yeah. It sounds interesting. I'm really fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by the person I spoke about earlier on, Jim Jones, mm-hmm. um, David Koresh, people mm-hmm. who managed to gather other people under their wing and convince them of that their way is the way. Right, right. right. Even though what they're saying is frankly nuts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they still manage to convince people that their nutty way is the way yeah. even though it's just corrupted and awful and mm. it's going to end up with people dying I mean, one of the things that I'm they, fascinated by it yeah, it is yeah. one of the things that they talk about is um, the fact that there was a, at least at that point in time which was sort of early 2000s or 90s or something there was like a checklist of like theological things that you had to believe in and if you if you like passed the checklist then you kind of could do anything else you know like and right if you were attracting people in like this church was and you like passed the you know i guess it was you know stuff like sex before marriage and abortion and a few other things and if you passed that list then you were you were an insider and then you know if you were attracting people in well Great. So pe- people, you know, things like you can get away with it. You can get away um, with everything. Yeah. Sort of treating <clears throat> women as objects or something like that just wasn't on the list. So it was kind of yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's been really interesting. Also, speaking of death, which is another thing that you mentioned, I listened to. I was listening to another podcast, yes. Christian-ish podcast called Nomad, and they had a recent episode. Uh, where two people who've got an experience of um, grief and death in their life um, just talk to each other um, and are really mm. open and honest about it. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I should do that. I could talk for days about that, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> and I've actually just recorded an episode of my other podcast, Justice Warriors, um, with a, a, oh, yes. a friend of mine who whose uh, young son died. Um, oh, that's sad. And just talking through like how that affected his his faith and and how, um, it, well, no more how his faith affected that. If you see what I mean, and how much he kind of wishes things had been. He doesn't agree with some of the things that he was taught and he believed, and they didn't help and stuff like that. So talking through all that, yes, yeah, um, he he did a lot of painting uh, to kind of help process his his feelings so he talks us through the paintings and what they mean and stuff and it's uh it's not out i yet. mean so you have to subscribe very art therapy is very yeah. important yeah yeah it was really really helpful to him and yeah so you, you have to subscribe to the justice warriors podcast and then in, in a few weeks probably uh when that's out you'll be able to hear it that's really interesting yeah it was pretty um it, very moving to yeah to talk it does to him. sound it yeah Definitely. 
So those are some random podcasts. Random podcasts. <laughs> uh, should we do plugging? I guess that's what I'm plugging. I'm plugging my other podcast. It's called Justice okay. Warriors. It's a bunch of Christians who uh, are, are like confused and reject some of the things that they used to believe and don't know what to believe now. <laughs> I'm trying to talk just about... Sounds like- it sounds like life, doesn't yeah. It? It's kind of like yeah. Being confused yeah. is kind of life, and yes. ad- admitting you're confused potentially was some, one of the things that we were kind of brought up not to be able to do. Um, and we try and connect it with life. So it's called Justice Warriors because we're trying to talk about like what, how does this God person or whatever, in like how do we like process that into like actually doing changing the world to be better or is that even possible or you know that kind of thing yeah yeah stuff like that <laughs> i've got some i've got some less well actually no some important plugging to do <laughs> so i have no plugging of my own <laughs> once again i'm just here to plug my wife's um stuff on society six yes. her art and her designs so she's got some new ranges there now right ideal for christmas right or for the well, of course for the christmas season uh socks nice and t-shirts Ah, fantastic. So if you need some red panda socks or some celestial design socks, they're very nice. I've seen them. Uh, then Society6, Cockerill, Cockerill Art is where you should go mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. them. We'll put the link. Can we put the link on the podcast? Yeah, if I remember. Okay, I'll <laughs> yeah, remind <definitely>. you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, lots. Of, they're like repeating patterns of like, like yes. the suns and red pandas. and Yeah, like red that. pandas and suns, yeah. That's they're right. like a bit hippie-ish, I'd say. Uh, most definitely, yes. Uh, But she's got some, I'll give you a skinny on what's coming up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, so there's some very cool designs coming up of insects and things of that kind. Yeah. Really nice stuff. Very cool. But, but you didn't hear that here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Keeping that under my, the hat that I'm not wearing. Well, yeah, I mean, I gave you a sneak preview of a podcast that's not out, which is there you go. pretty yeah, unusual. That's it. Well. I'm giving you a sneak preview of new new oh, designs. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, these are things that you would not have heard somewhere else, listener, if you hadn't Indeed. listened Indeed. This. this is exclusive. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the word you were looking for, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a normal word for that, yeah. 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 I'm just going to, I'm just going to, before we go, mm-hmm. just talk about, um, people who actually write reviews for a living mm-hmm. talk about what they thought about um, Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, I, I want Jen, to, I, I've got one other thing to talk about as well after, after that. Okay, so Jen Cheney of Vulture uh-huh. called Hamish Linklater, who plays the priest. His performance is phenomenal uh-huh. and believes that he elevates the series to moments of greatness, writing. He speaks as if he's discovering his way through every sentence and he wants you to come with him. Right, right, right. Oh, well. It's that kind of... Um, it's good writing. When you see someone... I mean, I think his performance is as good as people like Philip Seymour Hoffman and that kind mm-hmm. of really... Mm-hmm. Where you, it looks like they're just speaking the words for the first time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's that mm-hmm. kind of performance that... Or, you know, just really good screen actors... Mm-hmm where it all just looks spontaneous, but it's not. It's all been mm. finely rehearsed, and, mm. yeah, it's just an amazing performance. Anyway, so, yeah, that was my thing about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had something else to play? Oh, yeah. so, no, the, I just wanted to say, which is that I went to see June again. Oh, did you? Because I got in trouble. Go? I got in trouble with the wife, because she's a big June fan, and I went to see it with you at the IMAX. 
Um, That's so, right, you did, yeah. Um, the biggest screen in Britain. Yeah, so I took her to see June at a smaller screen, but uh, perfectly adequate uh, screen uh, and with good sound. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 I noticed a lot of little details and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'd already, weirdly for me, I'd understood the story the first time, so I kind of didn't... Normally I need to go see something again just to have a clue what's going on. No, I think it was pretty clear. I thought the storytelling was very strong. It was. It was very clear. Yeah. Very clear. Yeah. And it needed to be, because there's kind of a lot of different people and different stuff happening. It's but, very yeah. dense, Dune. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, really enjoyed it. Again, not much new to say about it. I think other than it glorifies war, right? And I was, I was troubled by that. I think it's an old book. And yeah. it's basically a classic story of an aristocrat who's good at fighting and... He meets some rough people who are good at fighting, and they fight. And, the, and then, they, then they fight together. <laughs> yeah, and yes. and fighting is good. And given that I did I did prayers at church on uh, Remembrance Day, uh, which was yesterday as we record this. Yes. Um, like glorification of war was on my mind because I was trying to avoid it. So it was um, uh, that I noticed that about it. But other than that, um, I, I still thought it was really good and. Uh, Amazing. Also, saw the Matrix trailer again. And, and again, did it still do it for you? I still I still feel like this is going to be a decent Matrix film, hopefully. I do kind of think that if it wasn't underscored by White Rabbit, we wouldn't be so enthusiastic. Yeah, that, I mean, the, the soundtrack choice for that trailer is it's amazing. Perfect. Yeah, it really is, yeah. 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 Yeah, so if it was some kind of generic, like, New metal sludge. Yeah. We might be less enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, that, yep. yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That's just—it's so well done, and it's such great music. Yep, it is. With that, all right. Random, multiple random things for your ears. multiple random things done. Um, listener, Midnight Mass is great. Watch it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot. See Thank you next you. time. Bye bye. Cheers, bye.